Good morning and welcome to Resurrection Church. How's everyone doing? All right, good to see you all. All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Like we're back in Hebrews. Well, here's the thing. We're talking about principles of ministry, all right? And these aren't, these aren't all the principles, I'm sure there's just some of them, but what were they? Uh, servant leadership, right? Emphasis on grace, the power and priority of the Word of God, gifted, equipped by the Holy Spirit, right? Um, then we saw examples of Paul's life, lessons from Paul's life last week. And then today is sort of tying in principles of ministry, living by faith. We're going to learn what faith is and what that looks like. Those of you guys who are new, we were going through Hebrews. <laughs> so we are going to continue. And so we're doing a blend, okay? Just by way of reminder, Hebrews is actually a letter. It's actually format. It's almost like a sermon. But it's a letter written to a church, to a house church that was struggling. Uh, if you go to Hebrews chapter 10, look at Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, they were struggling and they had, um, they had been faithful to God. And they had been encountering a lot of affliction and persecution. And they were, they were thinking about giving up. How many of you guys have felt like giving up before? I mean, sometimes it's just... It's one thing, it's another, you know, it's one give up. And this, these people were wanting to really turn up away from Jesus. They had endured, uh, look at verse um, 32, chapter 10. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and afflictions, and partly by becoming shares with those who were so treated. For you also showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted with joy the seizure of your possessions, knowing that you have for yourselves a better and lasting. They had endured that. In fact, they had things taken. But now the writer, we don't know who the writer is. Um, people have different theories. He's writing to them, and this, the audience is a primarily Jewish Christian audience. Why? Because 70% of Hebrews is quotations from the Old Testament. They know their Old Testament. And his whole argument has been that Christ is superior to any other options. See, in the Old Testament, he's, he's superior to the revelation that came through the Old Testament, that came through angels. Chapter 1 says that Christ now is, you know, in the past, God spoke in various ways and through the prophets, but now he has spoken through his Son. So he said, why would you turn away from the better revelation, that's through God, through Jesus Christ. You know, he's reminding them, right, of what, really, what it means to be a Christian and what Christ means for their life. Uh, he's better than, what he brings is the grace of God, whereas before you had the law of Moses. You know, Moses was a servant, Christ is a son, right? You had the priesthood of the Old Testament that was perpetual, kept going on and on, right? Why? Because it was not sufficient to really do the real job. But now you have the perfect sacrifice in Christ. You had the former priest that would live and serve for so many years, then they would retire or die. And then the next person, you had all these people of priests conducting the services. 
But then Jesus Christ, who is a priest like Melchizedek, he did one sacrifice, one time, sat down, it's all finished. Why would you turn from that? Throughout his letter um, that he's writing here, he's not only pointing out the differences between what they used to have, right, but now you, and what you do have in Christ, and then he warns them, if you do turn away, and he gives them warning that makes you feel uncomfortable, it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable, to make them think twice about this. Sometimes we want to turn away because things get difficult, don't they? We want to give up when things get difficult, and he understands that. I mean, life is, life is challenging, you know? So in Christ, we have various things. We have, we have, we have rest. The Old Testament, they never entered into rest. There were always, if you live by the Old Testament law, it's never enough, is it? But when you enter the rest of Christ, and, jo- and Joshua is a picture of Christ, now there's this real rest of your soul. And so there's people who are looking for rest for their soul, and they are, they'll never find it until they find it in Christ. Amen? So he's telling them all this and, and, uh, and reminding them and pointing things out. And so now he gets to, um, let's look at the, actually go to chapter 10. We're still in chapter 10, right? Oh, perfect. That's exactly where I want to start off. <laughs> Therefore, verse 35, do not throw away that confidence or that boldness or that it, the word is parousia, it means the, the trait of being able to, uh, to do something and take risks. Don't, don't throw away that boldness or that, that risk-taking confidence that you had, right? Uh, which you had, which is a great reward. Verse 36, for you have need of endurance. Endurance means to, to bear up under some weight, right? You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Then he quotes from Habakkuk chapter 2, and he actually quotes from the Septuagint. Septuagint <laughs> is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Sometimes it reads differently. In fact, the Septuagint would have been in Jesus' time. He would have been around Jesus. So Jesus would have read Septuagint as well. Okay? So he says, For yet in a little while, he who is coming will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. That's Habakkuk, uh, what's it, 2 uh, two four. And this is the verse that got the, the Apostle Paul's attention, right? It got Martin Luther's attention. The just shall live by faith. This is what set Martin Luther free from Catholicism because he was trying to earn it, right? And here, and he's quoting uh, from Habakkuk, and it really can be translated, the just shall live by faithfulness. Because we're going to see here is faith is not just an internal think, thought process. It's actually carried out in your life. So he says, my righteous one shall live by faith or faithfulness, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. It means, the word shrink back means to hesitate, to give a little pause, to kind of, you know, to retreat. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but have faith to preserving of the soul. Now, now he's going to choose chapter 11 and give you what that faith looks like. And he's going to say, guys, you have all this argument I'm giving you about why Christ is superior, and you want to turn away because things are getting hard. You want to give up. But now, let me just show you that by living by faith, whether when things went well or things didn't go well, living by faith has been throughout the history of all the Old Testament, right? All the Old Testament saints had lived by faith. That's what he's going to do. His main point in chapter 11, let's go to chapter 11. Now, faith... I'll show you the main point in a second. Now, faith 
is the assurance or the bold confidence of things so for the 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 conviction of things not seen it is the it is this um and we'll talk about with what really with faith what that really looks it's this you just know without even seeing right and then he says for by for by it by why by this faith men of old gained approval now that's going to be his main point here's how you're approved here's how you are um how you are, um, you bear, it means to bear witness as well, or you're a, a comment, uh, commended. For by men of old gained approval. Skip on down to verse 39. Look at verse 39. He, he's, now, we skipped, we'll come back, but I'm going to show you that he starts and he ends with, with, uh, with this point, verse 39. And all these, the previous people that we just skipped over, which we'll look at, Gained, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what they promised. Okay. He's going to argue what the qualities of faith look like, right? And he actually makes the point of not gaining what they... Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance... They confessed that they were strangers in exile. So the idea is they were approved by their faith. They didn't shrink back. And his exhortation to them is don't shrink back because you'll lose out and all the, uh, the, you know, the good things in Christ. And don't shrink back because all the saints from Abel all through all the Old Testament, they had to live by faith and go forward, Right? And then he's going to go in chapter, um, in chapter 12 and say, therefore, since we have so many witnesses, a great cloud of witnesses that, that are in this, have been in the same boat of life as we have. By the way, when you go through hard times, it's not new, he's saying, right? And the, the temptation to quit, I mean, we all feel it sometimes, right? Because life can be, and God uses those things to develop and strengthen. But sometimes you're like, Lord, I don't have enough, and what do I do? And, and sometimes you have to live Moment by moment by faith, right? God gave Paul a thorn to flesh, and Paul says, can you take it away, Lord? And he said, no, my grace is sufficient. And some of us have had to live life moment by moment just depending on the grace of God. Amen? So that's why he says now there's a great crowd of witnesses. Now let's, let's, um, let's lay aside everything that would that entangle us, the sin and everything else, and let's run with endurance that race, you know? Um, and that's the, uh, his, in fact, he says, uh, I've wrote, I've written, at the end here, he, had, he says, uh, I've written you briefly this word of exhortation. He's exhorting them, right, to go forward, to not retreat back. And sometimes that's human nature to want to sort of go back and hide into our little caves, you know. You know how it is. Have a little pity, pity party and feel sorry for herself. And I, I've had plenty of pity. I've, oh, man, aren't they fun? No. They feel they, for a time they are, then nobody comes to our party. Nobody comes. But we all understand what that feels like, because it's human nature, you know? And I don't know what anybody is, is going through. God knows. And we need, part of it, that's why he says, hey, don't neglect the, the gathering of yourselves. Why? Because sometimes you need that encouragement. You don't feel like being with somebody or being around anyway. But you go and God uses somebody that you wouldn't expect to, to encourage you, and you're like, I feel better now. Oh, that was, you know, that was one day. That got me through another day or another week, you know? So let's look, 
let's look at faith, okay? Now, we're not going to go through the entire chapter in one sitting. That would be, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know me. I aim for 20 verses and I get through a word, right? <laughs> faith is the assurance of things so for verse 11. If you go back up there, the word there is pistis. It's a common Greek word for faith. It means to have confidence in, to have trust in. And there's three aspects of faith they used to teach. One is the, the, the intellect, you know, believing in your mind. And one was the emotional, and one is the, the actual trust part. You know, it's all, when you trust God, when you actually, when you, when you rest on the promises of God, when you actually surrender to God, right? Faith is that confidence, that, um, that assurance, that, um, the word assurance there in, um, in uh, the assurance, uh, it, it means, it, it, it can be translated, um, do you have a, a stability of mind? To have, uh, it actually is used to mean uh, for a legal document that said you have the title deed of land. And so you have confidence because you have this. You, 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 you are so confident that you own the land that you don't have that anybody has. Feelings don't tell you. It's just, I have this confidence. That's what that word can be translated as well. The conviction uh, of things not seen. So we're dealing with faith. We're dealing with now things that are unseen. You have confidence and assurance of things that aren't seen. So now right off the bat, we have to say, Faith is not dependent on feeling or sight. I mean, you think about all of Scripture, there's so many lessons of, Lord, where are we going to feed all these people with so little, two couple loaves of fish? I see, and I see, and I don't see how it's going to work, Right? So faith is never or not dependent on what you see physically. Now, human nature, that's hard because we depend on our six, is it six senses? Five senses? Okay, ladies have six senses because, they, you know, five senses. And some of us men have less, you know. So right off the bat, now there's a challenge to what we really want to default and depend on. Right now, this, let me just say something. Our faith in Christ is based on actual, actual evidence, actual history. Right, the foundation of our faith. Paul says, if the resurrection doesn't happen, our faith is useless. So, actual historical events. Our faith isn't just fairy tale. You know, it really is based on, based on you know real as, real events. But now we're off the bat. We see that there's now an aspect of living. That goes beyond the senses, right? For by it, the men of old gained approval, or they are com- com- some have commended in their, their Bibles, right? Commendation. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what was seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now, there's that relationship between what you see physically and the effects of the unseen on the physical. By faith, we understand that God made the worlds, right? Okay, it's common sense to say, if something's there, somebody put it there. And I'm not going to get into all the science and all that, but this is common sense. If I go to my car, 
and my door smashed in, I don't say, that just happened. I say, somebody hit my car. Everything we see came from somewhere else. And so we understand by faith. We weren't there. None of us were there. We We by faith understand that God has an effect. He's unseen on what is seen. Okay, we do that by faith. We read Genesis 1 and 2, and we understand by faith that God spoke into existence. You know, I'm not getting to all the, all the arguments in science. But by faith, we understand it. We weren't there, but we understand that this has happened. By faith, Abel, who's Abel? Abel, Adam and Eve, Abel and Cain, right? Where's Abel? Way back in Genesis 4, right? So now he's starting with Abel. What does that tell me? That tells me that living by faith was from the beginning. It's not a new thing. Right? He had to live by faith. And by faith, uh, it says that he, was, uh, he offered God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he was approved as being righteous. Um, let's look real fast at, at Genesis, because we'll be in Genesis 4 or 5 real fast. I don't want to take a a big detour, but just to show you that Cain offers to God his sacrifice. Uh, Verse 2, Abel, uh, chapter 4, verse 2 of Genesis, Abel was a keeper of the flocks. Cain was a cultivator of the ground. Cain brings an offering to God of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, brings the firstborn of his flock and his fat portions. I'm not going to get into all the details as to... This. We did this in our Genesis study before. But the idea is that Abel knew what to bring. And when he brought God the first things of the flock, there's an area of trust there. Why? Because if he's given you the firstborn of your flock, he has to trust God to provide for the second and thirdborn, right? And apparently, probably God gave them criteria of what to give, right? So you have Abel now is giving by faith having to trust God with the future. Sometimes we have a hard time surrendering to God certain things because we don't trust God with the future, right? That's, that's another thing, right? Um, where was I at? Genesis 4? And so, um, uh, verse 4 uh, of Genesis 4, Abel on his part brought the first things of his flock and their fat portions, and the Lord Yahweh had regard for Abel and for his offering, for Cain, his offering, he didn't, and then Cain gets upset and ends up killing his brother. Go back to, uh, go back to, to Hebrews. So faith, Abel uh, offers to God this, this sacrifice, and he's now approved as being righteous. Verse, 11, verse 4 of Hebrews 11, verse 4. God approving his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Let me do this. Let me read some verses, and I'm going to show you some observations about faith. Let's just do that, because there's different ways I can go and explain this, but uh, I think I want to give you some lessons here. By faith, Enoch, who's Enoch? He's chapter 5 of Genesis. Enoch actually lives a long time. Before the flood, they lived hundreds of years, right? So Enoch walked with God 365 years. Walk with God. But he was taken up. That, that word means that he's transferred. He's like, he's like transferred. Beam me up, Scotty, you know. He's, he's, that's the idea of going from one to another. He was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up for prior to being taken up, he was approved as being pleasing to God. Why was he pleasing to God? 
because he had faith. But watch this. Look at the next verse in chapter in, in, in Hebrews 11. Look at the next verse. He's giving a commentary on something about Enoch's life. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So now Enoch pleased God, and he's saying, now he did that by faith. Now how did Enoch do this? For, by, for, by, uh, for without faith, he is, it is impossible to please him. For he who draws near to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The implication here is that Enoch lived this life seeking God. And he sought God and walked with God every, every year, right? It was a continuous thing. And because he walked by faith, now, Enoch's way back when, right? He's still walking by faith. God's not seen. Understand? He's walking by faith to a God he doesn't see, but because he seeks God, God rewards that. Some of us, we want God to do something in our lives, but we're not seeking him. Right? But if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you, and he, he loves that, Right? And you get some people that you know that has been walking with the Lord and there's something, there's something different about them or they've been walking for more years than us and there's, there's a level of trust or peace and like, you know, we look up to them. We talked about that yesterday. You know, who are the people you look up to? Many of them were people that have gone before us in the faith. You know, my, my grandmother or somebody's grandmother or somebody's, you know, mentor that have been walking with the Lord Jesus. They're walking by faith and seeking God, Right? By faith, Noah, being warned about things not yet seen and reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So, so far we've talked about Genesis 4, Genesis 5, now Genesis 6 through 9. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive an inheritance, verse 8, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he sojourned in the land of, of promise, and as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, with fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for a city whose foundations, whose, which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she regarded him as faithful who had promised. Therefore, there were born even to one man and him, Abraham, as good as dead, and his wife, too. They're really old. But they have children, as many as the stars in the heaven in, in number, and as numerable as the sand by which is the seashore. Now here's his point. All these died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and walked them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles, on the earth. Now let me just give you some observations. We'll, we'll stop there. I can do the rest of the chapter, but he's going to make the same point and we'll, we'll develop it uh, another, uh, another maybe next week or so. But a couple of things about faith. First of all, because faith is a mystery to me. I don't know about you, right? Because I'm always thinking, Lord, help me understand because, you know, and we'll get to the question like, well, how do you know if you're going out in faith or going out in presumption, right? We'll get to that in a second. But faith always it's always based on fact, or it's always based on the Word of God, the nature of God, the goodness. Something where, you know, it's you know, it's um, it's not based on a fairy tale. There's there's some information there, and the information is the character of God primarily. But faith, in one sense, lives as if something's fact. See, we we often live by sight, which means that when I see it, then I understand its reality. But faith lives as if something is fact. Abraham leaves 
his former land, his father's house, to a place he doesn't know, but he knows that he knows this God can be trustworthy. And this is the beginning of his story, right? Abraham or um, uh, faith lives as if it's fact. That's why it says it's the conviction of things not seen. The conviction. I'm, I'm firmly believe this is true, right? Uh, hope may, might say, "I hope I have it someday," right? Faith says, "I have it," right? And again, it's hard to explain. How do you, you know, how do you? It's because it's. I think it's part of it is by growing and walking faith. You, your faith grows and is challenged and grows more. And you, we'll get to that in a second. Faith is a response to the call and character and word of God. That's the difference between. When you step out in faith, you're responding to the word of God, the call of God, the character of God. When you step out in presumption, you're doing what Satan tempted Jesus to do. Jump off this, this uh, temple and, and, and he even quotes scripture in that. Hey, he'll give his angels charge over you, right? That's presumption. Before that, Jesus said, don't put God to the test. And Jesus said, hey, that verse you're quoting, Satan, doesn't apply to to temple jumping, okay? Okay? So you have to be careful. There is a, you know, he, he showed you, obviously that's in, in, in the Gospel of Luke. And so presumption is, it's not based on a response to God, it's more of a, more of, I'll, I'll make it happen. It's what happened with Tower of Babel. They decided to build this, it's called a ziggurat, and they wanted to reach and get closer to God, and you would walk up these steps, and, and you would go, it, the idea was that you're transferring from, heaven to, you know, from earth to heaven, and you were trying to get closer to God, and that kind of thing. It was presumptuous to think that they could do this to get closer to God. That's presumption. Does that make sense? <laughs> Thirdly, and I have like a bunch of these, so... You can write down some or write down, write down notes, but just listen, okay? Faith gives to God what is valuable. Faith entrusts God with what is valuable. Right? Abel gives to God the best of his flock. Right? Noah gives God his trust in his future. Right? Um, Enoch gives God his time. That's valuable. He entrusts God. He goes, God, I'll give you my time by walking with you. Faith and trust to God, what's valuable. That's why we, we dedicate our children. We dedicate our lives. Look, Lord, we want to trust you with... When we had our house built, many, how many years? 2005? I remember we, we were in the house. Was, was it framed at the time? We just got the key. We went in there, and we, we knelt and prayed. That dedicated the house to the Lord. Um, and uh, you know, and so not knowing what the Lord would do. This is you know years ago, but we said, "Lord, well, this is yours." You know, um, when our kids are. And by the way, not to uh, I don't want to embarrass my son, but his birthday is this week. So happy birthday, Joshua! But. You know, as parents, I'm entrusting God, you know, I'm trying to take care of him, but then eventually they'll, you know, they'll move out, go on to get lives and get married. Maybe one day I'll, I'll entrust my daughter to another man to be married to, you know, that's, I'm, that's, you know, I'm entrusting God. But it's valuable to me, right? Faith does that, right? 
let me just share one point. The, the, the cost of faith, what you're entrusting, is costing you something, right? Abraham leaves his father's home. He could have stayed back. But the, the value of what he gives up, okay, let's put it this way. The cost of faith is not comparable to the reward of faith, right? The, the cost of faith is you holding back because it's too expensive, but too costly. What you've given up for God is not comparable to what you'll get in exchange for that. Faith is God, it's, it's seeking God to, to know God more, right? He who comes to God must believe that he is, that he's a reward of those who seek him, right? So, But faith, again, faith entrusts God with our future, ultimately. God, when you live by faith, you're trusting God with our future. And now, it's, as human nature, that's hard to do. How many of you guys watch the news? Okay, some of us. How many of you guys... Okay, I st- it, let me just give you... Okay, I used to be uh, really into... I mean, <clears throat> I was into wondering when the Lord was coming back. You know, when's the rapture going to happen? And, uh, okay, this means this. So I'm reading the news, you know, comparing with Bible, you know. Oh, no, this is... You know, and... The, and you can get really into the deep end and, and get all worried and say, I've got to start digging a hole in the ground so I can protect my family because this person's doing this. And, and faith and trust God with the future. Right? You know, the uh, book of Revelation, book of Revelation, some of us think it's just future stuff. You know, and we talked about this before. Book of Revelation was a word of encouragement to even to the church who first heard it. The word of encouragement was this: Jesus is one, and He has the future. He's victorious. Oh, that serpent that started back in Genesis three. Hey, um, let me just tell you—he's going to be locked up and throw away the key someday, right? And even though things can get difficult, ultimately, if you're a saint of Christ, you're going to be with the Lord. Yeah, some of us are going to suffer. Now, that's okay. Because ultimately, Christ is victorious. And if you see or hear things that are disturbing or upsetting, remember, the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. He's victorious. And some people so want to protect themselves. And we all, listen, I'm not saying don't be wise and you know, be smart as far as planning ahead. I'm not saying that. But you can go and just go over the deep end and just now live in so much fear. Because now you're trying to control and prevent anything that could or should or shouldn't happen. And so I'm going to live in an igloo somewhere, right? So that I'll never have anything bad happen to me. That usually happens if you experience some tremendous pain you know, and difficulties, right? But faith says, yeah, I have to work through all that stuff. But faith says, I'm still going to entrust God with my future. Because guess what? Not one person, not one book writer, Christian theologian knows the future as well as God does. Amen? We know what he tells us what could happen. We don't know the hour or day. We don't know how it's going to play out. Keep your eyes on Jesus, right? All the disciples, except for John, were martyred for their faith. I don't want to be martyred for my faith. But I do know that, God forbid, that ever happened to me. I believe that God will be gracious 
And yeah, it might be painful, but I know absent from the body is present with the Lord, you know? And forever I'll be with the Lord. And I don't want to, I hope God protects us. You know what I'm saying, right? Is I want to trust God with my future and not really get worried about. I want to be faithful to the task he's given me, right? Because, you know, you get what I'm saying. Faith trusts God with our futures. We saw this in Noah. Noah, hey, it's going to rain and there's going to be a huge flood. What's that? You've never seen it before in the history of the earth, but I want you to build this big boat. It's going to take you a lot of years to build it. And every single day you get up, and every day you swing that hammer, if you had a hammer or a saw, you're living by faith. You haven't seen a drop. You haven't seen any flood. You're living by faith. Why? Because I have spoken to you, and you've heard from me, and your job is just to obey. See, faith obeys, doesn't it? It doesn't question God. And all during that time, everyone saw, what's that thing? Oh, it's Noah and his ark. There's Noah and his ark. Yeah. And he's the only one. He and his, his family were the only ones. You know, all that time he's building the ark, his neighbor could have said, hey, can I go along with you? Right? And now he goes on with his family only. And he's probably wondering, do you know he goes on before a drop? Before, I thought the text again, maybe I'm misquoting. Before the flood actually comes, let's put it that way. God shuts the door. Think about that. He devotes his entire night, a lot of years of his life, to just something he heard from God. He didn't say, God, now show me the schematics here. Give me the five-year plan. Right? Abraham, the same thing. Abraham, he goes, he says, Abraham, he calls Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, leave your, leave your country, your father's home, go to a land I will show you. He doesn't tell you where the land is. He leads him to the land, but he doesn't tell him. Now, some of us, God, can you give me the whole, can you just tell me it all in advance? What, what's this going to look like? He says, no, just go. Why? Because we want to control our future, don't we? I mean, you guys are like that. You just, God? <laughs> but Abraham gave God his future. Noah gave God his future. And there's that choice. Abraham could have stayed. Noah could have disobeyed. And of course, we wouldn't have been there. Maybe actually, do you, do, you, do, you trust God? do you trust God with your future? Or are you still holding on? Are you still looking over his shoulder and saying, I don't like that plan there, God? Right? You trust you trust God with your past. How many of you guys have trusted God with your past? All your sins have been washed away. Some of us, some of us are still struggling with past. You know, we're still back there, back there. Well, trust God with both, right? Are you willing to trust Him with your future? Let me ask you a question. It says Abraham left the land, eventually dwelled in land. But it says he never really got what was promised. Now here's the question. Would you follow God? Are you willing to follow God? Let's put it this way. Would you, are you willing to follow God even if you don't get what you want? Some people turn away from the faith because they're like, this is not what I sounded for, God. Right? That's why, that's why they, they leave. Judas betrayed Jesus. Why? Because he, he wasn't what I thought he would be. He would be, you know, and 
There are all these, everybody has plans for what Jesus should do. Last time I checked, Jesus is the one that's on the throne. <laughs> so we need to humble ourselves and say, God, if my life is in your hands, by the, way, by the way, you're better at being God than I am. So why don't I just let it go and, and let you direct my future? And you know something? I'll tell you one thing will happen. Boy, your stress level will go way down. Right? Because if you're so worried about your controlling your life and this person's life and that person's life and your future and everything, you know, all these words, your CPU can't handle the load of all that. We're sheep, right? And so the real question is, is God trustworthy then? That's the real question. Is God trustworthy? You see in Abraham, this was really cool, is Enoch learned the trust just by this daily yearly walk. Abraham, watch this. Look at, look, at verse, um, look at verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now watch this. Go to, go to Genesis. We're going to go to Genesis 12 and then 13. I want to show you something, okay? Abraham, Genesis 12. Yeah, Genesis 12. And of course, Abraham is this wonderful example of faith, and that's why he's, uh, he's obviously he's on this list. But like Genesis 12 is the initial call. By the way, Abraham at this point uh, belongs to, um, they, they worship many gods uh, where he lived. So this is unique, God calling him. It says, The Lord Yahweh said to Abram, Go forth from your land, from your kin, from your father's house, from everything you've known, from your, your whole safety net, to the land which I will show you. And then he says, I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. Bless, those who cur- bless you and curse those who curse you. And all the family will be, all the earth will be blessed through you, right? So he went forth, right? See that, verse 4? Now skip to chapter 13. He gets to the land. He's with his nephew, Lot. Now this is interesting. Lot, they both have a lot of flocks. Things are getting a little tense, you know. Too many chefs in the kitchen kind of thing, you know. And Abram says, Lot, you choose first. Now, he's in the land area, but he, God hasn't told him. He just says, go to this land. He's there. Lot decides to choose what will eventually be the Sodom Gomorrah area. By that time, it was very fertile, very green. Okay, I got a lot of flax. I got to eat. Hey, go on. And then Lot leaves, and then God speaks to Abraham. Look what he says in verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot separated from him, now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Look northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your seed forever. Verse 17, Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, and I will give it to you. Do you know, in chapter 12, he doesn't tell him that he's going to give him the land. He tells him, he just says, go to the land. Now he's in the land, now God says, now I'm going to give you this land. But he gets the initial call, and he hears it, and he believes. The initial call was, go to the land, I will make you a blessing, everything else, right? See, now he leaves by faith. 
because he is obedient to that call, then now he's in a place of further development of God's revelation for his life. Right? Some of us want to stay back with Abram and say, now God, give me the whole 40-year future, 100-year future. Tell me it all. I'm not going to show you, if you're not willing to do step one, <laughs> why should I tell you step two that I'm going to, I'll tell you when you're over here. All right? So everything, Abraham is this, this picture of this walking, this man walks by faith, right? And of course, eventually, um, he's tested, right? Because he says, your son Isaac, that's the man, that's the, your son Isaac is going to be the one that I go through, Jacob and Israel and Jesus eventually, you know? And of course, he says that, in, uh, go back to the Hebrews, um, his faith is tested. But the, the idea is that Abraham is just how he, let's put it this way. His faith and, and all of our faiths and everything in this chapter isn't just intellect and knowledge. Your faith is actually demonstrated, it's lived out. And if I just say, well, I believe, but thou actually put that belief to action and trust, where you're having to trust God. You're having to trust God. He gets to the point where he's going to have to sacrifice his son. He's going to have to trust God that God is still truthful, that this son is going to be the one through all these blessings to come. Now, how does that compute? I don't know, but the book of Hebrews says he considered that God could even raise the dead. Right? See, see again, there's that faith challenge where you want to rely on what you understand, your logic, your insight, your, all your computations. But faith is the assurance of things unseen, right? Things hoped for. Make sense? So in one sense, faith, and we're going to we'll have to continue this next week, but faith, um, faith banks on God's faithfulness. Right? It's banking on God's so faith. God will come through. Why? Because I know the nature of God. I know my Lord. I've walked with Him. That's what it does. Amen? And how you live your life. Actually, if you want to see if somebody is really a faithful or has real faith, watch, look at their life, how they live. How they actually live. You know? How do I actually live, you know? This whole church thing, that's a step of faith. I, I'm telling you, some of you guys know, I avoided it. I ran from it. I'm, I'm telling you, I was like... Not me, because I can't sing. Now my best friend pastors can sing. You know, right? And I'm, I'm not the this, this strong personality that you know, draws a crowd. That's not me, God. Right? And I kept running from it and shying away from it and making up all kinds of... I'm still making excuses. Lord, you got the wrong guy, right? But this whole thing is now... But I know what God has shown me. I know in my, in my spirit what He's shown me. And here's what I stepped out on. I stepped out on the fact that he called me to do this. And you know, I don't try to, I, I'm, I'm like, Lord, if this is going to be you, it's not, I don't want to manipulate or manufacture a crowd. Then it's got to be you. You said, you, your church said, this is from you. You'll build your church. I'll watch you do it and I'll be willing but it was a step of faith boy was it scary right are you really it's so when you step out in faith you're actually god are you really going to come through 
that I really hear from you. And of course, I asked all kinds of other pastor friends and counselors and this, that, and the other. I'm like, yeah, that's God, that's God. And the 50th person, are you sure it's God? You know, Why? Because I'm so used to depending on me, my intellect, my insight, my knowledge, my doing. And when I look at myself, I put myself out of the category. But if I'm dependent on myself, see, that's why a person who says, I got the goods, I can sing, I can dance, I can speak to crowds, I can do all that. I'm your man, God. And God says, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, you know. The idea is that now faith is a test of, of you trusting God's faithfulness. And my thought process, part of the thought process, you know, Lord, I'm not asking to do a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. How can sharing the gospel be a bad thing? How can wanting to shepherd people be a bad thing? Okay, Lord, I can't see. You haven't given me all the plans, all the details. Boy, and there's been some days when we've been, we had like eight people one day, and you know, and you know how it is? It's just, when it doesn't go what now in your mind's eye, you're thinking, this is how God's going to do it. Because he did it the same way for these guys. And God says, no, my plan for you is very unique. <laughs> you know? Stop looking at other people. Keep on Christ. On Christ. Why? Because ultimately, Christ is my focus now. Right? When you walk by faith, it's, Lord, I'm doing this for you. This is between you and me. And if other people get to stand and watch, God bless them, but my focus is on you. And again, human nature is, this is scary. This is scary. Are you sure? Every week, every time we do something, it's a walk of faith. And, but I believe God's faithful. God's faithful. And that's what he calls us to. And you know what's really cool? Is that Christ was faithful, wasn't he? He was faithful to endure the sufferings on the cross. He knew the plan of God. He knew what was ahead. See, most of us, if we knew what was ahead, we wouldn't do it. Right? We would run away. You mean to tell me I'm going to have to go through this and that? In the year 2022 or 23 or 25 or 19? Come on, God, I'm not going to sign up for that. But Jesus knew what was ahead. And he still went forward, didn't he? I'm going to pray. And then... We're going to prepare our hearts for communion. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is trustworthy. Thank you, Lord, that whatever the cost of faith is not compared to the reward of faith, because the reward of faith is you. As we walk in faith and in trust and depending on you, we learn from you. Our relationship with you deepens. We learn how how trustworthy you are, how true your word is, how good you are. Father, I want to pray for anyone here who's maybe like the Hebrew audience who wanted to give up. Maybe some, maybe, Father, maybe there's some people here that maybe you've been watching online who are at the point they want to give up because life's going really hard and, and maybe they just need a, a fresh touch from you or encouragement from you. Maybe they need prayer, Lord. 
Lord, I pray that you would speak to that person, Lord. Focus our eyes on Christ and Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Now let's do this. Um, we're going to pass out communion. As you get the communion, um, just take some time to reflect and meditate. Maybe there's just stuff in your heart you want to go over with the Lord. Maybe there's somebody to forgive or something to entrust. And Josh, you want to come up? The communion, it's a new thing. I've got a new, uh, I've got some gluten-free ones. And then there's, it's one thing, and it has the wafer on top and then the juice down below. It's, we're trying a new thing, make it cleaner. Josh, I want you to pass it up. And then once, um, let me take one. Once, uh, once it's passed out, then we'll, uh, we'll proceed. But um, as you get, uh, reflect and pray and prepare your heart to receive the Lord's Supper.
Jesus was with his disciples on uh, celebrating the Passover meal. And uh, the Gospel of Matthew records that while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after a blessing, he broke it, and giving it to the disciples, he said, Take and eat, this is my body. Let's pray together. Lord, we stand with those disciples as one of your disciples today, understanding that you willingly, knowingly gave your body to be broken. Lord, I pray that you would bless the bread as we take it, that the, the depth of your sacrifice would impact our hearts in new ways. Let's partake of the, the bread together. Matthew continues, he says, And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day I drink it anew with you, my Father's house. Lord, thank you for your blood. Your blood, you are the high priest, but you are the sacrifice as well. And you as well poured out your life, your blood, for the forgiveness, for the remission of our sins. Lord, because of your sacrifice, we can walk in the freedom of forgiveness. And so, Lord, we say thank you. Let's partake and drink and say, the Lord is good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why don't we stand up? You know, if there's anyone, and I don't know, we're small, obviously, but if there's anyone who needs prayer, you know, I can talk, we can pray afterwards, or if there's a sister who wants a lady to pray, I'm sure there's enough sisters that could pray, but um, what we don't want to do is, is... Keep it all to ourselves sometimes, you know, and, you know, we want to be, um, that's part of why we're the body of Christ, you know. So if you need prayer, you know, come up afterwards, um, and, uh, um, yeah. God is good, amen, amen. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. I want to read to you um, the... Um, can I do this? Yes, I can do this real fast. Um, um, uh, do I want to just? Yeah, I'm going to do. I'm going to do the benediction from. From. Uh, now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great Shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, our Lord Jesus, equip you in every good thing to do His will, by doing in us what is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may he strengthen your faith. May he reveal his nature to you, his goodness to you every single day as you seek him and trust him. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. If anyone wants to help out with anything at church, talk to me as well, okay? Oh.